Welcome to IDD Get to Know Me, a mental health podcast where nothing is off the table. Wait, what does IDD mean? IDD stands for Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. You will hear from us, people with IDD, and experts on topics that are important to us and our mental health. I'm your host, Victor. And I'm Daniel. On this week's episode, we're going to get to know Amy Lockwood, uh, the founder of The Lockwood, which is a company that produces inclusive toys, and full disclosure, a very close pal of mine. Uh, She previously worked in the film and TV industry, advocating for disability representation in children's media. And now she makes toys that ref- that reflect the same diversity and inclusion that she's fought for. Amy, it's great to have you join us today. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, we're so we're we're so glad so glad to have you here. You know, this is perfect uh, perfect fodder for our podcast, shall we say? That that's what you are. I'm just kidding. Yes. Um. Let me ask you something, Amy. First question, important question of the day. What was your favorite toy growing up? What was the absolute favorite toy? Well, there I as many kids do, I went through lots of phases throughout my toys. I was uh, the play pattern that I um, engaged with a lot was dolls, playing with dolls. I had a beloved Cabbage Patch doll, which I still have. Her name is Lori. Shout out to Lori. Loved you so hard. But I would have to say my my very favorite toy from childhood. I actually still have. It's beside me right now. It's a it's a tiny um, tiny little piano. And I used to sit at it in a teeny tiny little chair and um, play songs on it. And it really started a love of music and tiny replicas of bigger things. Um, I've taken this piano with me everywhere I've ever lived. It has come to New York City when I used to live there. And now it is in my home in Toronto and my son plays with it, which feels really lovely coming full circle with it. That is exactly the kind of toy that I would picture you growing up with. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think uh, I had th- I had this teddy bear growing up and uh, named Chocolate. Uh, he was I, I I say I had, but I actually still have him. And yeah, he he went everywhere with me. I took him to school. I took him. I like drew all over his face, which was very regrettable. But um, <laughs> yeah, still got him. Still got, he's still my bud. How about you, Vic? Well, since we're talking about things that we take around with us everywhere we go, this might be cheating, but every night when I go to sleep, I sleep with a piglet, you know, from Winnie the Pooh, Piglet. Oh, love Piglet. Yes. Awesome. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about what you like to do, where you like to go. Tell us all the things that give you joy in your life, besides this podcast, of course. Oh, yes, of course. Um, lots of things bring me joy. Nothing more than my son. He is four years old and he is an absolute rascal. And I know I'm a little biased, but I'm pretty sure he's the greatest human that's ever lived. 
So that's a nice bonus. And apart from that, I'm a relentless creative. I I feel like I'm not experiencing life if I'm not expressing whatever I'm experiencing through some sort of artistic expression. So I do lots of different creative things. I'm I'm a constant crafter. I used to knit for a long time before my hands didn't allow me to anymore. And now I am obsessed with woodworking. I am just, I'm having a great love affair with power tools right now. And uh, they make me feel so strong and I can do anything. And working with wood has just been a really amazing new passion of mine. I've become a really big wood and tree nerd. <laughs> Building off that, uh, tell us a little bit, uh, what is the Lockwood? And, and can you tell us a bit about the toys that you produce? Sure. So I founded a inclusive toy brand called Lockwood. It's very handy that my last name is Lockwood, had the word wood in it. Got to use it, right? So Lockwood is an inclusive toy brand. I started it almost by accident during the pandemic. I had been working in children's media, which is where I met Dan. We did our post-grad in, in kids media together. And when the pandemic hit, I uh, found myself out of work and out of creative outlets. And so while I was home with my son, I started, you know, tooling around, pun intended, uh, in the backyard building some planter boxes for my garden. And I found that using power tools and saws and drills was so exciting and lent all this power to a body that had never experienced that kind of strength before. And the only caveat with making these big planter boxes was that they were big and big pieces of wood. And I found that really hard on my body. And so I thought, well, I, I'm a, a you know longtime fan of toys and especially wood toys and sustainable products. And I wanted to start making some wood toys for my son. And the one toy that we didn't have that I'd been scouring the internet and the world for was a wooden wheelchair toy or a toy that explored mobility aids that wasn't plastic or had small parts because he was quite young at the time. And after looking and looking, I found uh, nothing <laughs> appropriate for him. And I thought, oh shoot, it's going to have to be me to, to make these things. So my goal was to just make one for my son. And I posted about it on Instagram and got such an outrageously supportive response and so many messages saying, hey, if you make more than one, I'll, I'll buy one. And I thought, uh-oh, maybe I need to make a lot of these. Maybe it's me that needs to make this toy that I want to exist. And so I kind of fumbled my way through setting up a Shopify store and making a bunch of these um, wooden wheelchair toys, uh, which my son actually helped me name Big Wheel, Little Wheel because that was how he would distinguish different cars. Cars had four wheels that are all the same size and wheelchairs have one big wheel, one little wheel. So yeah, so I launched the Lockwood in November of 2020 and I was kind of anticipating, you know, selling a few to friends and family. And if I couldn't sell all the ones I'd made, I was thinking I'd 
you know, maybe donate them to different schools and things. And much to my surprise and great pleasure, I was selling out at a rate that meant I was going to be out of toys by noon on the first day that I launched. So I, I hit the workshop right away as these orders were coming in and started making more and more and realized that I, I had inadvertently started a, a business, which I'm, I'm still running and is still growing today. Amy, how is the business doing? Uh, what, what's the response been? What are your most popular products? All that stuff. The response has been incredible, uh, it, not just in terms of sales, but in terms of interest from other people and other organizations and lo lots of media attention, which has been amazing for the business and also amazing for, you know, getting the word out about the inclusion revolution. The best seller by far is Big Wheel Little Wheel, our wooden wheelchair toy. And it's made of sustainably sourced hardwood, which I source locally. I have a number of wood partners that give me their offcuts. So a lot of um, wood make tables and other large scale furniture have lots of small one to two foot pieces that are unusable to them. And so I, to, you know, make even less waste, I started partnering with a bunch of different furniture makers around Toronto. And now I get these great calls saying, Amy, we're going to throw a bunch of this beautiful hardwood on the burn pile unless you want it. And then I get in my car and I drive as fast as I can to rescue all this unwanted wood. And I turn that into these wooden wheelchair toys. I've got one other product that sells really well that I'm, I'm really proud of is called Arch Support. And it's my take on wooden arches that have been used in Montessori classrooms for a long time. But the spin that I've put on it is I wanted a gift that I could give to someone when there, there isn't an appropriate gift, when there are no other words. And I had a friend when I was developing this boy who had just um, gone through a miscarriage. And very often a baby that's born after a mother has a miscarriage is called a rainbow baby. And not every woman gets that baby after a miscarriage. And also it's very hard to know what to say in those situations or what to gift someone. And so I created Arch Support as a little piece of support and beauty that can be used to honor many different situations in many different ways. And so what it is is five wooden arches that look like a rainbow. And they're all cut from a solid piece of wood, but can be arranged in all different ways. And each one is about two inches thick. So they're very easy to hold no matter what your dexterity level is. And for those ones, the ones that are made of maple and oak and elm are all appropriate for babies. Babies can chew on them, suck on them, and they're completely safe and all made from toy safe hardwood. So I wanted something that could be given and experienced for anyone from age zero to 120, which I hope we all live to. So that's arch support. And then I've also got another toy called W is for wand. And yes, it is a wand for all the fairy princesses, fairy princes, magicians, and tooth fairies that are out there. And that was a big seller around Halloween, which I was really happy to see lots of kiddos using those wands in their, in their Halloween costumes. And I will share with you guys, we have a new toy. 
um, a new collection of toys that are coming out at the end of the month, which I'm so excited about. You're getting the inside scoop. You're the first people I'm, I'm announcing this to. We are releasing a collection of dinosaurs. We've got three dinos that are coming down the pipeline because none of the toys that I have support the play patterns of small world play. And I wanted to make something with eyes and could have a little more personality imbued into it as opposed to just being an open-ended toy. And so these three dinosaurs, we've got two plant eaters and a meat eater, and they're gonna be sold separately and in a bundle starting at the end of March. Good. Um, so just you mentioned, um, just for those who don't know, you mentioned uh, small world play in there. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. Small world play is really important for child development and is very innate in, in many children. So that is when you pretend small things are real, like when you've got little animals and, and make them talk to each other or set up little homes and uh, little bedrooms or, or tuck your little animals in or little dolls. It's uh, super fun. And I wanted to create something that would encourage more of that type of play. A lot of my designs come from watching my son and watching other kids play. And I realized that there was there wasn't anything in our collection that could be used as a main character in that play. And so we are we're adding uh, some dinos to the cast. Excellent. I have a question. What is everybody's favorite dinosaurs? Say it on three. Don't even think about it. Just say it on three. Ready? One, two, three. Ankylosaurus. <laughs> Um, mine is definitely an ankylosaurus, which you will be seeing in this collection. An ankylosaurus, if you're not familiar, is a an armored plant eater that has a big club tail that can cause a lot of destruction and defend its family if it needs to. Excellent, excellent. And what were yours, both of you, that you said? I said a T-Rex because I am boring. Not boring. I said They're Veloc famous for a reason. I said Velociraptor. Nice. Excellent choices. Uh, we all talked about the good things about your toys, the happiness, but let's get to the meat and potatoes of this, okay? What are some hardships, some setbacks that you had to face and you had to overcome during your toy manufacturing process? Excellent question. Yeah, let's get into it. I have a genetic disorder that affects all my joints and skin and organs. And in me, my hands and wrists and, and shoulders are very affected and uh, are getting more so, just getting more painful as I get older. And so it was, you know, very, very ambitious to start a handmade business with hands that don't function as well as I would like them to. So making my production process as accessible as possible has been one of the biggest hurdles to beginning small batch manufacturing multiples of these toys. So what I've done and figured out to accommodate my own body is do uh, when I was starting out I did a lot of research on the different tools that could do the things I wanted them to because often you know there are handheld tools that can do the same thing that say a stationary tool can 
And for me, I have a really hard time holding a big tool. I'm not going around holding a chainsaw or anything like that, but stationary tools are really, really accessible for me. I can have a stool set up so I can sit so I don't get tired standing and the tool stays stationary. My bandsaw is the one I'm thinking about that I that I use the most. And so I just have to hold the small piece of wood and kind of move it through the machine, almost like a sewing machine. Um, it's quite it's quite a similar, it looks quite similar the way you use it. Um, and so I can just feed the wood through that and not have to be holding the tool. So that was um, a really important piece when I found that a bandsaw is gonna be the best way to cut the wood. Um, another issue I found is um, sanding. So I, had one belt sander. So I'm getting into the nitty gritty and all of the, the tools that I have. So a belt sander is another stationary tool that sits on a tabletop that you hold the wood and maneuver the wood onto. And I can use it very easily, but I found changing the belts on it if I needed two different types of sandpaper was really difficult on my hands. Same with my drill press changing the different drill bits is really difficult for me. So what I actually did to make sure that I can work independently and not need someone else there to make those adjustments for me is I invested in duplicates. So I have two sanders now and I have one at one setting and one at another. So all I need to do is move from one stool to another stool, from one tool to another tool to do these two different types of sanding, which I do on each of the toys. So making sure that I have an accessible process every step of the way has been really important. And actually one of the biggest challenges as I grow the business is that the the more I use my joints, the worse they get. And even in completely accessible process, it's still a lot for my hands. And as demand grows, it's been hard to keep up with demand, which is a wonderful problem to have. I'm not complaining about that. But in terms of scaling, it's been difficult to figure out how to make these toys fast enough and how I can create longevity in the business when I don't have longevity in my hands. So I've recently invested in this incredible piece of manufacturing equipment called a CNC machine. And essentially, it's like a like a printer for wood almost or as a, a 3D printer adds material. Cut to wood, right? It All does. Cut to wood. It does. So now, what my yeah, process? I heard about it. Oh my I gosh, they're so it. cool. My, my father, I cannot stress you enough, is a frame carpenter. So you and me have wow. Like, you and me have like a connection of like building things. So if you need like a little else, just to help <laughs> you work, I'm your guy. I'm your amazing. Oh, suddenly turned into a job interview. Well, this is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Good to know. I'll uh, I'll keep you in mind when we're expanding for sure. So, Amy, you're talking about all this the need to make the like the process accessible for yourself and and things like that. I'm wondering how did you come up with accessible toys uh, and why is it important for kids with disabilities to see themselves uh, represented in the toys that they play with? 
That's a really great question. So I've I've always been I've always been an advocate in the disability community. I grew up with a family member with a permanent brain injury and have always been really active in supporting folks in this community and did not become disabled myself until a few years ago making the need for inclusion and inclusive representation all all the more in the forefront of my everyday life in my personal life not just professional. So I'm of a firm belief that all kids need to see all kids represented in all of children's content, whether it be books or TV shows or toys. And toys is actually where I think where there is the biggest gap in the market. There really are very, very few toys featuring mobility aids that are out there and toys and imaginary play open up so many opportunities for conversation between parent and child. And I thought it was a really great way to start these conversations at home and not leave a child to encounter someone with a disability for the first time out in the world and have that person with a disability become a prop in the conversation. I I know that I get really tired of that and I get really tired of seeing other disabled folks being put in that position to explain their mobility aid to a child or have their parents shush the questions or anything. And so I really believe that it not only is Big Wheel, Little Wheel a great toy, but it's also a great learning tool and conversation starter for what disability is. And since visible disability is, is easier to explain to a very young child, I thought that that would be a great starting point. And to use the symbol of disability, a person using a wheelchair would be a great image to jump off of to start these conversations early. Can you tell us more about your journey with advocacy and fighting for inclusion? Tell us your journey about that. Absolutely. So when I met Daniel, actually, we were doing our postgraduate degree in children's media, and I'd been working in the teaching field. I'd been intensive behavior interventionalist. I'd done some work in ABA, and I'd work with a, a lot of kiddos on the spectrum and loved it. Some of the most rewarding work I've ever done. Super fun. Also just amazing humans. And I really saw an opportunity for, you know, more representation everywhere I looked and especially in kids content. No child is too young to start talking about differences in brains and bodies and how beautiful and unique and wonderful all of our brains and bodies are in all those differences. And so when I started the program with Daniel, I went in thinking, you know, there needs to be a lot more representation of neurodiversity in Canadian kids content. And Daniel and I hit it off right away, agreeing on this <laughs> and becoming big proponents for it. And after I left that program and started working professionally in kids television and pitching projects to different TV networks, because my background is in TV, I was, you know, really disheartened to find a lot of pushback and a lot of mentality of 
if we have, you know, disability representation, that's only going to appeal to disabled children, which I think is garbage. And I think that inclusion is important for all children. And one of my biggest pet peeves since starting this business is when people say, oh, this is Amy. She makes toys for kids with disabilities. I'd like to say I, I do not. I do not. I make toys and I make toys for all children. And one of um, the very heartening things that I've been seeing since I started this business is that most of my customers are able-bodied parents of able-bodied children that recognize that inclusion and raising empathetic and inclusive children will better prepare this next generation for being a, a better, more acceptable and accessible place. You know, I, I totally agree. And just to uh, get back to what, what you were saying about the, you know, trying to get stuff in the media representation. So I'm, uh, I'm full disclosure, I'm working on some stuff uh, on some TV shows at the moment that are, you know, help, I'm helping to include uh, some some disability representation. Can't talk about that yet, but I know that it, it's quite difficult. It's it's definitely quite difficult sometimes to get that that balance between advocating for what you know is necessary and also reassuring like, networks and things like that that everyone's going to want to watch this, not just the person like the people who are affected hats off to you for noticing that and for um, doing your advocacy and getting this business off the ground uh, in spite of all that so let's uh, let's just follow up on the on the question about the, your journey so far uh, how has being a self-advocate uh, and also a parent played a role in your well it's played a, a huge role in everything especially having come from advocating for better disability representation i didn't know that i would be giving birth to this incredible human who, as fate would have it, was born with multiple disabilities and actually was the missing puzzle piece in me getting diagnosed. So the journey became, it went from professional to personal very quickly and in a very huge way and really led me to be really confident in my feelings that I have this amazing opportunity to kind of bridge a gap from being able-bodied to now disabled and be a parent expecting a healthy child and getting wonderful child with a lot of medical complexities. It, it made my advocacy and history all the more important and really made me feel that, that I am the person that needs to be making these toys if no one else is. I have the prerequisites and I think that the universe saw that I had the best resume to be this boy's mom. In terms of self-advocacy and advocating for my son, it is, as I'm sure you're both aware and many of the listeners are aware, it's a it's a never-ending battle to advocate for yourself and to be heard and respected and listened to in the medical fields. It's very complicated. And especially because my son and I have a very rare disorder, we actually are the only two people ever documented with our genetic mutations. So we, we are very, very rare and trying to access services without a proper diagnosis when you know we can't be diagnosed with something that doesn't have a name yet that's been really complicated and all the hoops you have to jump through to access this service you need to be seen by this person and there is no specialist for 
what we have, but a specialist needs to refer to physio. There have been so many, so many roadblocks and so many really complicated um, paths that you need to navigate in the medical system, let alone the, the rest of the world that have made this inclusion revolution all, all the more important and necessary. So what you're saying is you two are trailblazing. Yes, pretty much. We are paving an accessible path forwards for those who who come after us and for the rest of our lives. So what has been the shining moments that people are definitely recognizing you, but what are some like good stories that you've heard that really changed people's life and people's perspective about your toys? Sure. Well, I, I had an amazing experience this week. A friend of mine came to my workshop to show her daughter around. Um, she wanted to see where my toys were made. And because I run an online business, it's very rare that I get to interact with the recipients of my toys face-to-face -face because of COVID as well. So it was really special to be able to hand her one of the toys that my hands made. And we had an amazing conversation about all the different reasons why someone could need a mobility aid. I asked her if, if she knew what wheelchairs were for. And she said, well, people use them when their legs are hurt. And I said, yes, you're absolutely right. And folks also use them if they get tired walking a lot. There are a lot of people that can walk, but also use wheelchairs to get around or use other mobility aids to get around. And also there are a lot of people that are born with legs that don't work the same as yours or mine, or sometimes they get sick or injured and that affects their ability to use their legs. But wheelchairs are freedom. They are incredible tools for folks to move around just like folks who use their legs and their feet to move around. And one of the neatest things was yesterday after uh, this little girl that I had given this toy to had been playing with her wheelchair for a few days, her mother sent me a video of her playing with it and teaching her other dolls about why different toys might need to use that wheelchair. And that was so amazing to be able to give her the proper language and the the tool the toy to be able to create that kind of play in her imaginary worlds it was uh, pretty amazing pretty amazing to see and i know that she is going to grow up to be an ally and uh, maybe even an advocate that's so lovely um and i, I have to ask you you're telling about you know these um how how you're helping to facilitate these stories for younger kids and stuff uh what would you tell other parents of young children who are just starting out on this journey oh my well I would tell them the first thing that I would tell anyone interested in having a conversation about disability is that disabled is not a bad word. Language really matters. And I really feel using terms like special needs or differently abled are implying that using the word disabled is bad or shameful. And it's not. So the first thing I would say is 
disability is is not a bad word. I would also encourage parents, if they are parents raising a child with disabilities, to start engaging with adults with the same disability and listen to them and what worked and what didn't work for them and what accommodations they appreciated and approaches they appreciated and which ones they didn't. I think listening, listening to disabled adults is really, really important. And I find a lot of new disability parents find other disability parents parents to listen to and and speak to, which is great and really necessary. But so much of the most important learning needs to come from the first voices, from own voices, from the disabled community themselves. Preach, preach. Okay, so now it's plug talk. My favorite kind of question. You got to, in one minute, Ray, speed round, give the listeners all your socials in one go. You gotta do it. Okay, you can find Lockwood Toys at www.thelockwood.ca. You can also shop our Instagram feed at the.lockwood or on our Facebook page. You can search for Lockwood Toying with Ideas. Thank you very much, Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks, Amy, so much for all your incredible work as, a, as an advocate and a toy maker and appearance and everything and for taking the time to join us today it's been so great talking with you thank you so much uh, it's been an honor for all your patience thank you for all your patience with us and with your child as well i know it hasn't been easy so thank you <laughs> oh well you're very welcome and thank you for your patience with um with my little munchkin over here as well This podcast is brought to you by the Azrieli Adult Neurodevelopment Center at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, Canada. We would like to thank our producers Irfan Jiwa, Afriz Gadimi, and Anna Yang for helping to keep us organized and all the behind the scenes work.